All right, good morning. Welcome to Teaching Others Also. If you will, grab a Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12. We've been doing some things out of our Bible on the value of troubles. The value of troubles. Now, here we are on Thursday, December 16th. And we know that there's all kind of craziness going around in the world. We're not oblivious to it. We're just not going to draw attention to their stuff. But I will make this reference today that <clears throat> what's going on, say, governmentally, legally, all that stuff, those are troubles. Those are, those are tribulations. Those are trials. And they are things that we should be praying about, seeking the Lord's face about, because truthfully, apart from God intervening, you know, the world and the God, small G-O-D of this world, will have His way for now. So our passage today, 2 Corinthians 12, and remember that for the week we started in Romans 5, Romans chapter 5, and we are working from the standpoint where he says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, experience hope, Hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So the idea is the value of troubles. And we've talked about some things already this week. And we've looked at, at some things out of those verses. Today, continuing on, we're in 2 Corinthians 12. And for the sake of time, doing a radio broadcast type of thing, we're going to go to verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12. And keep in mind that what we're going to read, uh, there might be something that in your personal life, it could be a personal infirmity, it could be different things in your life. Right now, for example, it could be what we're facing, you know, as citizens of these different countries. But keep in mind that the Lord is aware of it and we take it to Him and then He tells us how we can deal with it. This is great. This is powerful. Now remember, the value of troubles is, out of Romans 5, it works patience and experience and hope, and it works for the love of God to be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And that ministry of the Holy Ghost, is, it surpasses anything we could get from the outside and bring in. It's from the inside working out. All right, so in verses 1 to 6 of 2 Corinthians 12, for the sake of time, Paul makes reference to someone in verse 4 caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. The, the vast consensus is that Paul's speaking of himself. And we say this because in verse 7 he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. So God used Paul at a certain time. By the way, the Lord's not out there giving people a bunch of revelations today. He even explained it to us in his Bible that the canon, the Word of God, is shut and that we need the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, to teach us our Bible and to get our inspiration. So if you're running around claiming you're getting revelations, you ain't. And he said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. That's where we get this phrase, if you've heard about it. And most people try to make it some person, uh, which is not the case in most cases. Um, a thorn of, in the flesh, uh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. 
lest I should be exalted above measure. So this thing in Paul's life helps him stay humble. It helps him to stay grounded, we would say. It helps him to stay, keep things in perspective, okay? And he said, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Now, don't take that lightly. He didn't mean, oh, I prayed about it three mornings. No, he said, I besought the Lord thrice. Now, you know about the Apostle Paul. If you haven't read, you know, much of his life in the book of Acts and in the epistles, you should avail yourself of that and make a goal to do so, to read it, just to read your Bible and get acquainted with him and the things that, that he encountered. And you'll understand that when he said, I sought the Lord thrice, three times, he's like, he really went after it. Here's God's reply, verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And of course, there's very much more in the passage. But I want to think about today and start thinking about in connection with this value of troubles about this passage. Hold your place there and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And understand that we are to keep in our mind what God's plan is for a believer not what our circumstances or conditions try to force on us. So keeping that in mind, look with me at 1 Corinthians 12. Look at a verse there. And then we're going to look over 1 Corinthians 9 quickly. 1 Corinthians 12, 24. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another, etc. And he's taking the body, in verse 21, an eye and a hand, and he's, he's taking the feet and the head, and he's saying, you have a body, you have all these parts, some are more comely, some are more uh, attractive, some are, are more, and your inner organs, for example, and some parts of your body, I mean, think about it, your feet take a beat, and I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of people who spent a lot of time, a lot of their life on their feet. I saw a fellow one time, this is a long time ago, I think it was during like the Australian Open tennis, and he had to change shoes and socks during the middle of the match in between uh, games, and and uh, he changed them, and they did a close-up, and I mean, it looked like somebody taking a hammer to his feet. And the commentator was a former tennis player, and he said, you know, that is one part of our body that takes an absolute beating, and you've seen wrestlers with the call and boxers with cauliflower ears, stuff like that. So the point is that he says God hath tempered the body together. Now this is <coughs> 1 Corinthians 9. This idea of tempering and being temperate is very important. It's a, it's a huge part of the Christian life. When you temper things together, you mix them to a moderate state. It's to compound and to form together. Like in Ephesians where he's talking about being formed. It's to, to, to unite in due proportion. And in many cases, it's to soften. It's to form a proper degree of hardness. 
temper is a disposition of mind, a calmness of mind. That's why when someone says someone lost their temper, that means they lost their disposition of mind. So when someone says to someone, well, do you think that person has a temper? You, I hope you do. I hope your mind is tempered. I hope there is a calmness and a disposition in your mind. When you lose that, you've lost your calmness, your disposition. So every single person on the face of the earth ought to have a temper as in a tempered mind, not as in lost their temper. You got to get this with me. So look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. We're going to look at the, the statement in verse 25. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. You wouldn't run in a race haphazardly or half-heartedly. Uh, you might occasionally see something like that where someone, I can remember in high school, they had to get a certain number of points, so one team might put a fellow in the race knowing that, you know, wasn't going to win or anything, but by running he would get a point or something towards the end of the meet. And when you're running, you're running all. I mean, you give it all. One, one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. Now watch. Who are you running against? According to Paul in verse 25, 26, 27, yourself, not your fellow Christian. Now watch. Every man that strives for the mastery. So if you're striving to be excellent at something, to master something, he says, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. So to be temperate in something is to take and you mix it in a moderate state. It's to have a disposition of mind. See, to be temperate then is a very, very important thing. And that's what God is teaching Paul here. Okay? And we have to understand that. We have to keep that in mind. I mean, by dictionary definition alone, for example, when you are temperate, you're moderate in the indulgence of your appetites and passions. He tells them in, 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 Timoth, in Titus in 1.8 and 2.2 to be temperate. It's to be cool and calm, not marked with violence. And when something is temperate, it comes from temperance. And so the idea is that you, we're supposed to have passions, appetites under control. Now, I know. I know the world we live in. Listen, it, the easiest thing on earth, for example, let's take physically, because I think many of us, probably not all of y'all, some of y'all... Don't have to worry about it. But we have to constantly realize that we are raised in a Western nation where eating becomes a recreational activity sometimes. And the availability of food becomes recreational. Amen. The point is, whether it be your food, your time, your money, your thoughts, your, your, the use of your body. He said, everyone that striveth for the mastery is temperate in what? In all things. So back in 2 Corinthians 12, while we're dealing with this thing today, or we're talking about the value of troubles, many of the times God is trying to help us be temperate. He's trying to teach us to be in a moderate state, to let Him soften and compound and form a proper degree of hardness. You say, how does that happen? It happens by us obeying Him. Chambers this week, it was back probably on about Tuesday, Chambers Oswald Chambers, my utmost first highest devotion. He said in there, when I obey the problems, when I obey, the problems never come between myself and God. They come as probes to keep the amazement of God's hand. And he says, watch how he unravels things. I don't know if you've ever done any fishing, but if you ever use a bait caster reel, and you can do it with a spinning reel, but you use a bait caster reel, some of you fellas, ladies, and you don't, 
keep your thumb on there and get the weight the weight right on the on the reel when you're uh, adjusting it, you get a rat's nest like you can't believe. Amen. Isn't it amazing how we forget that we can just eat sometimes intentionally, but a lot of times out of ignorance or a little bit of slackness, we get a rat's nest going in our life. And the Lord comes up and says, let me have that for a minute. And he starts picking apart here and there. I watched a fellow one time uh, undo one, and I've never forgot how he did that. And it's helped me a bunch because every now and then you'll get distracted. Now, most time nowadays I don't, but you throw that bait caster reel out there, you get a little distracted, you can get you can get a tangled up mess. And every time I'm untangling, I'm not kidding, I'm, I, I pray, Lord, help me get this untangled. I don't want to cut all this off. But the biggest thing is, I'm like, you know, this is what God does. This is what He does. Chambers says in that devotion, every decision brings a reaction of simplicity. And he's talking about in the context of obeying the Lord. Now, we'll, have, we'll probably, of, of necessity, continue this tomorrow because we only got a couple minutes left. But, but listen, you and I need the tempering that comes through troubles. Remember, we talked about troubles. They can be adversity and tribulations and hardship and difficulties and stress and rough going and infirmities and all those things can be delays. Okay? We need that. We need that so that it will pull us to God and we'll, be, we'll ask Him for things and ask Him for help. And you ought to, verse 8. I don't know about you, but I ask Him constantly. I ask Him daily. Help with this situation we live in. But then it's time to get back to what we're supposed to be doing today. Back to what we're supposed to be doing under Him and leave the unraveling to God. And so God's answer to Paul, which we'll look at again in the morning, is verse 9. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That is the opposite of how we think as human beings. It's the opposite of what they have to do to help people be motivated and successful in life. Never begrudge the world. Now, by the way, some of the skills the world has of, of organization and time management and budgeting and stuff, those are good things. Those are great things. They can never be allowed to overrule the life of faith. But for us to take pleasure in infirmities, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, we have to realize that when I'm weak, then am I strong. The value of troubles, ready? The value of troubles is it pulls me to God. I go to Him. I trust Him more. And I learn that my strength is made perfect in my very weakness. I'll be with you today. See you in the morning.